Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. My prayer, different than my praying, my prayer are you listening? It's continual. My prayer speaks to what I do continue. My prayer speaks to like 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that says pray without ceasing. Oh, that's my prayer. That's what I do when I go to bed as I'm going to sleep. I'm just in an attitude in the heart of prayer. That's what I do when I wake up and my eyes open up. You know the first thing I say? Thank you, Jesus. When I wake up in the morning, I say thank you. I would encourage you to do so. When you wake up in the morning, thank the Lord. People say, I don't have anything to thank God for. Yeah, you do. You woke up. Did I say that earlier? I'm saying it again. Yeah, man, God kept your brain going at night. He kept your heart beating at night. And you can be thankful for that. That's your prayer. That's what you do as you're going to work or going to school. That's your prayer, the prayer on your heart. That's the aching in your heart. That's your heart's desire. Paul says, my heart's desire and my constant aching in my heart is that Israel would be saved. He says, because I see two problems with my people. I see, number one, they have a problem because they have a misguided passion. Write that down. They have a misguided passion. And number two, they have a misguided purpose. And misguided passion, number one, and a misguided purpose. Number one, they have a misguided passion. What do you mean, Rodney? Because look at verse two. Paul says they have a zeal for God, but not according to what, saints? Knowledge. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. A zeal for God. Listen, zeal is good. Zeal is good. The problem is that zeal, not according to knowledge, is not good. But zeal is good. Paul would say, I am the master. Listen, Paul would say, I'm the master of zeal. I'm the zeal master. Zeal master, what do you mean? Philippians chapter 3, verse 6, or actually 4 through 6, Paul says, If anyone has confidence in the flesh, I, the more, circumcised the eighth day, Paul says, of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. Paul says, I was a Hebrew of all Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning what saints? Zeal, persecuting the church. Paul says, listen, I know about zeal. I had so much zeal. I was killing Christian folks. I had so much zeal, I was on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, and I was headed to the city of Damascus to kill men, women, and children who called themselves 
Christians. Paul was zealous toward God, but his zeal was not according to knowledge. He was persecuting the church. You know the story. And Jesus stops him right there and says, Paul, what are you doing? Your zeal is out of line. Don't you know, Paul, that you're persecuting me? You see, zeal is good, but zeal without knowledge is not good. They have a zeal for God. You know, we all know people who have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. You know, I think of the people like Greenpeace people. And I think of people who are Save the Earth people. They have a zeal for God. They have a zeal for right things. But it's not according to knowledge. You know, I think of Mormons. And I think of Jehovah's Witnesses. They have a zeal for God. They are so zealous for God that they knock on your door and try to tell you about God. They have a zealousness for God that they stop you in the Walmart parking lot and ask you about paradise. They have a zeal for God, which, by the way, should I say, side note, Christians, we could use a little bit of that zeal. I took a poll for a service. I won't take one now. I asked him, I said, how many people had a Christian knock on your front door and, and say, hey, I want to tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ? And very few people could raise their hand, one or two, I think. Because Christians don't do that. I mean, really, I'm not going to take a poll now. I mean, I really, really super want to, but, <laughs> but I can't. But Christians don't do that. I, I know I don't I don't remember a Christian in a extremely long time coming to my front door to tell me about Jesus or stopping me in the parking lot to tell me about Jesus. And here it is. We claim Christian folks. Listen, we claim that God's word is the power of God and salvation. We claim there's one way to heaven. And his name is Jesus. And if you don't go through Jesus, you can't go to heaven. We claim that God is an awesome God, a mighty God who wants to reach people, but we don't do anything about it. And I believe, listen, I'm a preacher of this book. It's called the Bible. And I believe in this Bible. And I believe we have the truth. It is the truth. After in my 25 years of looking and searching and reading and studying, because I want to know why I believe what I believe. And I've come to find out that Jesus really is who he said he is. I didn't say was because he's alive in heaven. He, where he is, I believe it. And I believe it's the truth. And if we do believe it's the truth, then where is our zeal? Man, where is our zeal? We believe what we have is true. Then I think we should take it and share it with people. Somebody say Amen. amen. A zeal for God. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian, January 23rd, 1982. Friendly Church of God in Christ, 7.30 p.m. I'll never forget that day. It changed my life. Woke up the next day, life was changed. Saw things differently. Grass was green, sky was blue. Unbelievable. Different. Changed. About a week later, I thought, man, the whole world's got to hear this. This is This is awesome. This old gospel thing and Jesus thing, I didn't know nothing about the Bible. I didn't know a thing about the Bible. And mind you, I went to Catholic school all my life. And I uh, didn't know anything about God. I said, man, the whole world's got to hear this. People got to hear this. The best thing since sliced bread. And somebody got to go tell them. Well, Friday night come around, all the sailors and the Marines, they going out, going to get some drink on. <laughs> hey, you want to go? No. 
Where are you going, man? I'm going to go out and tell people about Jesus. Man, you have lost your mind. I got all dressed up. I kid you not. I got all dressed up. I put on a suit like I was going to church, y'all, Friday night. I got on the bus because I ain't have a car. And uh, I got on the bus and I went downtown, Oceanside, California, stood on the corner, all dressed up in a suit, Bible in hand. And I, I'm people walking by, I'm going, hey, 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 can I talk to you for a second? Hey, dude, man, do you, you know you're going to hell? <laughs> Those were my first words. And uh, nobody ever told me, you know, it's easier to catch bees with honey than with vinegar. Nobody didn't tell me that, but I, hey, man, you're going to hell. Hey, dude, you're going to hell. And before I realized it, I was the only one standing on this side of the street. Everybody else was over there. I couldn't figure out what it was. I thought maybe it was my deodorant. I didn't know what it was. Turns out I was running people down. They were trying to avoid me. And I'm like, hey, you know you, hey, hey, man, you're going to hell. Come here, come here, man, come here. Come here, you're going to hell, man. People were like, Jesus freak, Jesus freak, don't go near him. That was a zeal, not according to knowledge, but I honestly believe that God honors that. That kind of ignorance. Yeah, no, I've kind of sobered up just a little bit. <laughs> I'm not as, as excited about the Lord now. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I, no, actually, I'm crazier now. And uh, God honors that. We need to have a zeal that is according to knowledge. Paul says, listen, my people, they have a misguided passion. It's not according to knowledge, the zeal. And secondly, they have a misguided purpose. Why? Because they were seeking to establish, look at verse 3, they were seeking to establish their own righteousness because they were ignorant of the righteousness of God. You see, Israel was seeking to establish their own righteousness by keeping the law. They were seeking to establish their own righteousness by trying to be good. And they didn't realize that their good deeds could never outweigh their bad deeds. Jewish people today, listen, if you go to Israel today and you ask a Jewish person, how is it that you're going to get into heaven since you don't have the sacrificial system anymore? How are you going to get to heaven? And they will tell you, my, we believe our good deeds will outweigh our bad deeds. That's what they'll tell you. Listen, your good deeds cannot outweigh your bad deeds. As a matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like what, saints? Filthy rags. Do you realize that to God, your own good deeds and your own efforts are the most vile, listen, vile, filthy, and disgusting thing? Your righteousness. I'm a good person. I help out with old ladies going across the street. You know, I give money to Jerry's kids. You know, I go to church and I'm a good person. God says that is filthy, vile, and gross in his eyes. Why? Because, listen, God, the Father, the Bible says, sent God, the Son, into the world to die for the sins of the world. And Jesus, the Bible says, took on himself unimaginable pain. And he had bled his life out in our place. And Jesus hung on the cross. Are you listening? And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And Jesus was bearing the sin of the world. Your sin and my sin. Not their sin, your sin and my sin. 
and their sin on his shoulders. And God the Father watched as his son suffered. And for any man to think or to put it in God's face that, yeah, I realize what Jesus did in all of that. But, you know, if I'm a good person and I save the whale and I save the spotted owl, well, God, you should let me into heaven. That's an insult to God. That's crazy. And you're deceived. God did not allow his son to die on Calvary's tree so you could be a good person and save the whales. What kind of sense does that make? Why would he? Would you? No, I wouldn't. No one would watch their son suffer for no reason. Well, there was a purpose. And that's why our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. Because God has sent us the only means of salvation, his son. He says that Christ is the end or the goal of the law. In other words, Jesus is the end of the struggle of righteousness by the law. Jesus brought an end to our futile attempt to become righteous through the law. Now quickly, point number two, Christ received as Savior, verses 5 through 13. Look at it. For Moses in verse 5, if you're looking at it, say amen. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, even where saints in your mouth and where in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever, underline that, believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon his name. For whoever calls, read verse 13 with me, will you? you? For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, Moses describes, give me your attention, the righteousness which is of the law. That the man who does those things shall live by them. And Paul is saying, listen, if you're going to base your salvation on keeping the law, then you better plan to keep the entire law. Because judgment with the law is based on you never, listen, breaking the law. If you break the law, one point in the law, you've broken the whole law. If you sin one time, you are a sinner. You just have to do it once. And we're already born that way, so we're already out. (laughs) You understand? You only have to break the law once. It only takes breaking the law at any time, just one time, to make you a lawbreaker. Now, you remember we've talked about there are 613 laws that the Jews added to the Torah. And there were a thousand different ways that you had to keep the commandments. But let's just talk about the basic ten. The first one. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. That's a hard issue. You shall have no other gods before me. 
as a hard issue. And then the 10th commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's stuff. If you've ever listened to me, if you, <laughs> if you've ever in your natural life coveted somebody's stuff, you're guilty. Have you ever gone into someone's home or sat in someone's really nice car and you said, hmm, I like this. This feel like me. <laughs> you snuggle up in the seat. Mm, nice leather. Nice car. You coveted. Listen, when you were a kid, you were a coveting little kid. I mean, we, look, look you, you, look, you start coveting when you're a kid. You don't get older. You don't have to wait to get a really nice car to start coveting. When you were a kid, I just remember this. I don't know why I remember this, but I remember this. When I was a kid, and this one kid, it was a really hot day, and I was in St. Michael's, Maryland. Why? I remember this. I don't know. You remember the weirdest things. And uh, I was in St. Michael's, I remember this kid was licking on his ice cream cone. It was hot. And you know how kids are. They look over and go, that sure does look good. <laughs> I sure wish I had a lick. Man, that's coveting. You're coveting somebody else's ice cream. It happens. You grow. You start coveting. Listen, you're breaking the law. You're guilty of coveting. So Paul, listen, in verses 6 through 9, Paul reaches back to the Old Testament and he's quoting from a passage actually in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and he's applying it to the gospel. And basically he is saying there is nothing you can do. There's no work you can do. The work has already been done in the person of Jesus. So why would you want to ascend into heaven and bring Christ down? He's already come. He left heaven and he came to the earth in the form of a man. And there's no need to do that. And why would you want to go into the abyss in order to bring Christ up from the grave? He's already risen from the grave. But what does the word say in verse 8? The word is near you even in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. It's near. Listen. It's simple. It's near. The principles of faith are extremely simple and yet exceedingly profound. The word of faith is near you. So quit trying and start trusting, Paul says. Quit trying. Write that down. Quit trying and start trusting. It's that simple. It's not complicated. And some people say, oh, it's just too difficult. I can't understand it. Listen, it's not difficult. The Bible says the word is near even in your mouth and it's in your heart that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Saints, look at verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth, notice what you are confessing. This is huge. Turn on your brain, listen to me if you hear nothing else I said. The confessing with the mouth is the confessing the Lord Jesus. Did you hear me? The confessing with the mouth is confessing the Lord Jesus. This has nothing to do with positive confession. People, look, whole movements have been started on this verse. They call them faith movements. Positive confession. In other words, you better not ever say anything negative because if you say something negative and that comes out of your mouth, man, it's going to happen. 
I've been saying to a guy one time, how you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm doing okay. I got a cold, man. I got a cold. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. That's a negative confession. I said, man, that's not a negative confession. It is real. I have a cold. Look, look, look. It's coming down right here. Look. Look. I'm like, dude, look, it's not a negative confession. And it says nothing. This says to confess the Lord Jesus. In other words, we are told what to confess. This has nothing to do with positive or negative confessions. People have started whole movements on verses like this one. Confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus. Confess that Jesus is master. Confess that Jesus is ruler. Confess that Jesus is the one who controls my life. And if you confess that and believe it in your heart, believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confession. The believing heart results in righteousness, and a confessing mouth results in salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever... Would you look at that in verse 11 through 13? Whosoever believes on him will not be put to shame. In other words, listen, when you put your faith in Jesus and your trust in Jesus, you won't be disappointed when and you won't be ashamed when you stand at the gates of heaven. God is going to let you in for there is no distinction. Get this. There's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek and black people and white people. We're all sinners. Why would there be a difference in salvation between peoples? There is no difference. We're all sinners. Every single one of us. And whosoever, the Bible says, and that's a big word to the Jew, whosoever, they had a real problem with that. But I love that word, whosoever. Whosoever believes on him, look at it in verse 11. And whosoever calls on the name of the Lord in verse 13. I love that word, whosoever. You know, I'm glad it doesn't say if Rodney Finch calls upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. I'm glad it doesn't say that because there are other Rodney Finches in the world. Maybe I, maybe it's not me. Maybe I'm not the one. But it says whosoever. That means anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever. With that word whosoever, I know I'm in that group. Amen. I don't care if there's a thousand Rodney Finches in the world. I'm in that group because I'm a whosoever. Amen. Amen. Have you ever thought of yourself as a whosoever? You should think about it. Things that make you go, hmm. Whosoever, anybody. And and I'll leave you with this. You know, I want to scream. I want to pull my hair out if I had some. Of people who say, how many people have heard this? How could a loving God send people to hell? Or why would you worship a God who sends people to hell? Listen, hello, I don't worship a God who sends people to hell. I wouldn't worship a God who sends people to hell. God does not send people to hell. God says, whosoever will, let them come. God says, whosoever, that's an open door. That word, whosoever, says the the doors of heaven are open. The doors of heaven are open. That's whosoever. God says, look, doors, come on in. 
Who are you? I'm a whosoever. Come on in. Come on in. See, the God we serve is the God who says anybody who wants to be saved, well, I don't know if I'm elected. You want to be saved? No, then you're not elected. I don't know if I've been called. You want to be saved? Yes, well, then you've been called. You're a whosoever. Come on in. Anybody. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. A loving God sent his only son to die on Calvary's tree that you can be saved. You don't have to go to hell. Hell was not created for people. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. Now people, some people want to be there. God doesn't want you there. God loves people. He sent his son to die on the cross. And if you call out to him, listen, just like 1,700 people did in the last two days at the Harvest Crusade. If you call out to him, I'm going to wait. I'll wait for that. If you call out to him, he'll save you. He'll save you. That's what he does as his business. God is in the saving business. Not in the sending people to hell business. He wants people to come and be with him forever. And you can call out to him today too. You don't need an altar call to do it. You can call out to God right now. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.